Hi folks, how's it going? Cam's here with another episode of Acoustic Guitar I.O. It's lovely to be back. It's been a little while since I published and I'm going to remedy that. After today, I will be concentrating some more on some interviews that I recorded with various players and guitar builders. And I'm really excited to get stuff back online again. For now, though, I'm going to share with you an interview that I did with a great guitar player called Rob Muir. Rob came over to Aaron to play in Crofter's Music Bar on the weekend of the 16th of November. He played on the Saturday night and he played on the Sunday afternoon. I just happened to be on the mainland on the Saturday morning, going to buy a clarinet for my daughter, as well as to pick up the brand new 16-inch MacBook Pro. And we happened to be coming back to Aaron on the same boat. So Rob and I sat down and had a catch-up all the way across and had a really good conversation. I was kicking myself for not having foreseen this, and so I didn't have my microphones with me. However, we did get to have a conversation on the Sunday. I saw Rob on the Saturday. I went out and watched the set, did some filming, took some pictures, and lent him my Presonus Air 10 speaker and my Strymon Big Sky, not Big Sky, sorry, the Blue Sky reverb pedal, and it was a great night. So I arranged with Rob to have him come round to the house on Sunday morning so I could show my guitars, and then we went for a walk along the farm track, and we spoke about Rob's music, his playing, his career, and a little bit about fear and anxiety and stuff like that. So without any further ado... Here is Cam's Talking to Rob Muir. So what is your music story? How did you get into guitar? Um, so my dad was a, a big prog rock fan. And uh, so we used to do the drives up and down from uh, Ben Bechula all the time and we had the cassette tapes. Uh-huh. And my dad would always play like Deep Purple and uh, Led Zeppelin and Emerson Lake and Palmer, yes, Tangerine Dream. All those bands and uh, one of my birthdays, my dad came home with a videotape from his work with all the black and white footage of uh, Led Zeppelin and uh, Deep Purple. And I used to sit, I had a black and white TV in my room and I used to sit glued to it for hours watching these videos of Jimmy Page because it was like the footage of him with the, the violin bow. Oh, aye. And stuff, it was that. And uh, at the same time, I was quite into Harry Potter. So when I saw Richie Blackmore for the first time as a kid, I thought that was a wizard playing guitar. Uh-huh. So for me, it was quite fascinating. And I said to my dad, I want a black and white guitar like Richie Blackmore's. And uh, my sisters had guitars. And uh, they were lying in, I think they only had like, one of them had like three strings on it. And I got I used to go home after school and I would just like make a noise with it and try and pick out notes from Deep Purple songs. So what age were you then? It was maybe seven. And then at Christmas, I woke up with a, a Yamaha black and white Pacifica on my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I would put it, put it down for years. Um, yeah, then my dad got me like this, this pedal thing when I was eight that I could like loop guitar parts. So I only knew how to play a couple of notes. I didn't really know much about guitar. And I just started looping notes and making songs that way. Uh, and then about 
as soon as I went to high school, we had a, there was a guitar teacher, and but I'd known him as a, a kind of classical guitar guy. Um, so I said to him, look, I, I want to do classical, because my dad told me to do classical, because uh, Richie Blackmore had done classical, and I was like, okay, right, I'm right. going to do it. And then he taught me classical. And I did that for years, and then I done saxophone at the same time as well. I played with Hermie. Yeah, that I ended up playing with that band. Uh, done electric for them. We done like the STV live thing. Hang um, on, you've just made a big jump from learning classical <laughs> guitar in your bedroom yeah. to playing with the band on television. Yeah, you missed <laughs> a few things out there. Well, I never really took lessons. I took lessons in classical and everything else. I just kind of learned myself. Um, so YouTube was around then? I never had internet as a kid. Ah. <laughs> um, I learned by... So I had a couple of albums. I had Axis, Boulders, Love. That's why I like that guy last night was that shout out Jimi Hendrix songs. I could play them all. Um, it wasn't because I was obsessed with Jimi Hendrix. It was literally... That was the only album I had as a kid. <laughs> um, That's and, a good one to have. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I've always been able to pick out songs from listening to them. And it was how I learned... So I had Axis Boulder's Love album, which I, I played until it was burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had Rory Gallagher's Live in Europe uh, album, and yeah, I played that all the time. And I had Zip Four. Oh, classic! Um, that was my three. That was my three albums as a kid, and that's what I learned to play guitar from. I didn't like, and internet was around. Like we had Wi-Fi. No, we had obviously have Wi-Fi, but. In the house we didn't have, my dad, I told you this before, my dad's quite old school, so we didn't have internet. Um, uh, so I never, never got to learn that way. I learned off of like, so my sisters, so my sisters are about older than me, so when they were 16 I was maybe about 10, 9 or 10. And there was a guy who used to play in the pub every Friday and he worked behind the bar in the pub. His name was Martin Rapley. And um, I just got my guitar and my sisters would take me to the pub with them to start their shift after I finished school so my dad could come pick me up after his work mm. and um, he'd be playing there on a Friday and he'd play like Green Day songs and stuff like that so before he'd do his set in the pub he would teach me a song uh-huh. and then I guess that was kind of my introduction that was like my first ever guitar lesson um, and yeah then I went and done the lessons in school um, So how did you get from there to STV in a band <laughs> there was uh, kids older than me in school wanted a guitarist and the school recommended me and the band done a lot of stuff so I said before they were kind of signed to Smirnoff or whoever it was and I got to join and play with them and then we done they done a charity night uh, for the kids in Hamilton so it was a uh, it was for a children's charity, I can't remember what one it was. Um, and STV came out and filmed us uh-huh. for the show and done a big interview with us at the end of it. Because um, they raised like, so much money for this charity. And that was they, it? Yeah, that band had been around for a long time before I joined them. Um, I joined because they they wanted a different element, they wanted to expand, get a bit, a bit bigger because they're... Their own guitarist was a little bit limited, right? Um, and they wanted, I guess, because it, it was a girl singer, a guitarist, and a drummer. 
so there was no bass player, um, it was two acoustic guitars, so I was on the second acoustic, and then for certain songs they'd want me to play electric, so for melodies and stuff like that, and then the drummer would sing as well. So it was, it was an interesting setup. What was the band called? <laughs> they were called Izone. Izone? Yeah. Is there any stuff around that you could Google? I believe find? there is stuff around. Um, nothing to do with me on them, though. Like my name was removed from it all. Was it? Yeah, but yeah, there's, there is stuff still out there. Because whenever people find out that was a band I was in, they go and automatically Google it. Ah, uh, okay, right. Um, so is that something you'd rather be cut out of that? <laughs> I don't mind. No um, but, yeah, so I've done that then from there. I fell into like, loads of other bands in Glasgow, so ended up just doing de- definitely like, going for guitar work for singers and stuff. Um, and then I was really fortunate that um, Jim Prime took a lot, so that's from Deacon Blue. He took a lot to do with us uh, when we were at university, and he introduced us to like Paul Martini's guitarist and songwriter. Right. Um, he done like writing sessions with us, um, and so that like, Ricky Ross and he tells us like the process of writing the songs and stuff. So, um, so have you heard of Pedal Fisher? No. Pedal Fisher is a, a Glasgow band from the I think maybe the eighties or nineties. Very big in Japan. All right. <laughs> um, so Jim Prime introduced us to all these different songwriters um, and they would do writing sessions with a few of us and teach us how to write songs the way they would write them. So yeah, you're very fortunate and then at the same time as when I was studying, so was the drummer from Texas. Huh. <laughs> um, That's he, Texas the band, not the state. Yeah, Texas the band. Uh, so he was there studying, making good friends and we got to play a couple of times and yeah, so it just it was through networking with all these people we got to do all these really cool things in music. Um, so, on a lot of that, it sounds like luck and circumstance. Yeah, but you have to be able. It's about being nice as well, though. Like people aren't going to do you favors if you're not nice to them, or they don't see that you've got a bit of ability. So that's that's generally kind of what it is. Oh, I missed a good story though, like. Um, so I, I told you there used to be a the old recording studio in Straven. Yeah. Yeah. So that was old Mill Studios. Um, so um, when I was a boy, so like before I got into music, I used to on my walk home, I would stop hide behind the studio because it's like an old an old mill, and you could go down the the, the bank at the end, and you, I'd sit there and I'd listen to the bands playing inside the studio. Um, and then that's where like one of my big heroes is Joe Purdy, is somewhere. Um, he recorded uh, "Last Clock on the Wall" in there, and I was lucky enough to get to watch it happen. And uh, some of the guys that were in my last band, they actually played on that album with him because uh, they used lots of local musicians to do it. Um, so nowadays, are you tending to be more acoustic than electric? So I was in. That band that was, they're doing really well for themselves, I'm very proud of them. Uh, they're called Cloudhouse now. Um, but they, to me, kind of sound like a 1975 pop band. And as much as I, I don't mind pop music, it just wasn't for me. So I decided to leave and 
I think with me it's always been a battle to find what I actually enjoy in music because right. like I go from loving pop songs to folk songs to prog rock to, to everything so for me it's trying to find that middle ground <laughs> so like the first time you ever came to see me I'd have probably been playing rock and roll and blues and yeah, stuff that's right, last yeah. night I don't know what you call that pop folk <laughs> it was kind of all over the map yeah well this is something I've been thinking about recently is, you know, I play I play Celtic fingerstyle, mm. I play folk music, I play blues, I play pop. And I used to think, well, I'm not really getting really good at any particular one thing. I'm kind of jumping around all over the place and I saw it as a weakness. But now I'm starting to think of it more as a strength. Mm. That I can... All these kind of influences and styles can help you with the other styles as well. I mean you for example your grade 8 classical guitar yeah. that must come into what you're doing in ways that you can't even you probably don't even notice absolutely um, as much as I hated studying it when I've done it it's, it paid off um, it doesn't matter where I go and play guitar because there's always someone that comes up to me and says oh you're a great guitarist you know and it's or you can play stuff that they've not heard and for me that, that means a lot like a lot of time I think they're talking nonsense. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that old imposter syndrome thing? Yeah. Because um, to me, I still don't feel like I should be playing outside my bedroom. But <laughs> um, no, it's nice and definitely the knowledge and stuff that I learned. I do obviously subconsciously use it uh, when I play songs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but like for me, it's the struggle of actually wanting to know what I want to do in music. It's like, uh, I'll play pop songs and I'll get bored and I want to play some rock and roll or I get bored and I want to play some prog rock, you know. Um, and it's, it, and you, does the fact that you're getting bored piss you off? Yeah. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I'm a little older than you and I would, I would say that that's something that, well, I've certainly learned to accept. Right. When I get bored with something and I want to do something else. I allow that to happen without any feelings of guilt. Right. Because it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. That's the, the most important thing. And if, I mean, music is about self-expression. And that's what you should be focusing on. Even if that means not writing your own music necessarily, but playing stuff that you like yeah. in your own way. That's, to me, it's so self-expression yeah I think I'm still trying to find my way of doing it because playing acoustic isn't really my thing um, I'm also more electrically biased so like last night when I was playing acoustic everyone was like well you were saying it sounds more like it should be electric no that was a uh, somebody else it was right. that was a uh, Raymond right he was saying it's it's difficult to believe that what he was hearing was acoustic right but we, were, we did have some delay and some <laughs> Some overdrive going on as well. Um, but yeah, for me, my biggest struggle is one, try to find. I know you're not meant to label yourself, but it helps a little bit. Um, it's more trying to find what style I want to do, and but I also battle with not liking my own voice. Ah, uh, you mentioned that last night. Yeah. yeah, that surprised me actually because your voice is perfect for what you do, <laughs> and it goes so well when you're playing. If I want to say you're playing. Like you're talking about style, right? This is something I, I hear people talk about in the photography world a lot. Yeah. Trying to, to find your style. 
I don't think style is something that you look for. Right. It's not something that you artificially create. It's something that you can look back on and see a style. Right. Rather than try and create a style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, everything you do is going to be you, which is great. That's how it should be. And you could look back now over your your career and see a style develop and just accept that that's, that's what you do. And people like it or they don't, that's not your problem. Yeah. As long as you like it. And if you're getting bored with it, then, yeah, do something different. Mm-hmm. And accept that. And everything you've done before will feed into what you're doing now. Yeah. For me, I feel like it's like a, a mix-up when you hear my set of my own songs. It's like you got a mix of some rock and roll, you got a mix of some pop songs there, and then you've got some Americana folk songs. <laughs> That's exactly how I play. Yeah. And I think in terms of an audience sitting in a restaurant that haven't actually paid to come and see you, mm. they've just paid to come and have dinner and listen to music... It's actually a strength in a way because you've got an eclectic audience. Uh, yeah. Hopefully you're going to do something that somebody likes at some point. Yeah. And then somebody else will like something else. Yeah. And it's much much less boring if you're sitting in there for three hours eating your dinner, listening to music, if you've got a variety. Yeah. You know, which is what I give them. Certainly when I start knocking out the Celtic finger style. Yeah. After having sang some beautiful South or something, you know. <laughs> and then going into the flat picking bluegrass stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I've always came over to, to Aaron to play, because it doesn't really matter what I play, it's going to get received well. Which I've always found like... Well, it's it's quite a nice audience you get here. Yeah. Um, playing, if you play in Glasgow or Edinburgh and that, you're very struggling to please people. Because, um, you know, like... You play in Glasgow, people only ever want to hear Jenny Cinnamon. Right. Yeah. They don't want to hear anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but over here, like, people are a lot more open to different stuff. Well, the people that you get here are usually not people that are from here. Yeah. They're from all over the place. Different countries, different parts of the UK. Yeah. Different age brackets. So, for, for from Crofter's point of view, having an artist that can vary their set list in terms of style is something that they'd be looking for. Yeah. So how does it go down in the Douglas Hotel? Douglas don't want your own songs, they want covers. Really? Yeah, and it does, go, it goes down quite, like, quite well um, when I do the mix of all the songs. Like, it depends on the crowd, but I think it's because early on in the night you've usually got an older audience, so they quite like the, the old bluesy rock stuff, and uh-huh. then towards the end of the night you've got a younger audience, and they kind of want the modern stuff. So you kinda, it's easier to plan a night in the Douglas. That's that's probably why they haven't asked me back then. It's really? Because although I play covers, it's not anything people usually know. Right. Particularly Scottish people. You know, bluegrass flat picking fiddle tunes and all that. Not really their thing. And if I do play pop, like I mentioned Beautiful South there, I wouldn't play You Keep It All In. You know, yeah. I'll play something... A bit more obscure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I accept that. I'm not out trying to get gigs mm. where I've got to learn cover songs and popular stuff. Yeah. Because that just wouldn't interest me. I'm slowly getting to the point where I don't want to do pubs and stuff and play covers. I just want to do more music. So the more I get to 
my own sort of music and know what I'm doing, then I'll have a wee bit more confidence to just go and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I want to kind of somehow incorporate in what I do electrically. I was just going to say that. Yeah. You said last night when you looked so much more chilled mm. when Raymond and Shelley came in. Yeah. And you started doing the Hendrix stuff and you looked like you were really having fun. That's because it's fun for me. Because um, I know they enjoy it. So for me, it's, it's stuff that I would be playing anyways, like at home. But a lot of those sort of styles and licks, they, that doesn't seem to be in your your self-written stuff. No, yeah. And you could do with putting a bit of that in there, I think. Yeah. I'll a take bit that more on. sort of dirty licks and things <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. My own songs are very much uh, emotional acoustic singer-songwriter songs. Yeah. Um, probably because that's what I enjoy listening to. Um, but what I enjoy playing is obviously the, the rock, the kind of, like the Hendrixy stuff. Uh, not, not that big a Hendrix fan, but yeah, it's, you know. Like, my, my favourite artist is John Mayer, so he kind of introduced the kind of blues world into the pop scene. Um, so he's a pop artist, but he... All his guitar stuff is all very much blues orientated. He's a massive Jimi Hendrix, Steve Ray Vaughan fan and BB King fan. Right. And you hear it all the way through the songs. Um, well, I think given that you've got such a, a strong background with well, that one Hendrix album in particular, <laughs> you know, I think as you start to relax into your songwriting and your, your production, that will start to come through a lot more if yeah. you just let it. Yeah. As I said before, if I could like remove the money element from music, I'd enjoy it so much more. That's such a tricky thing, though. Yeah, um, it's like it's this whole thing. Like, if you take any consequences out of what you're going to do, what would you play? That's art. Yeah, yeah. that's self-expression, pure and simple. At that point, I've still not reached it. I don't know what I'd play. I think you probably <laughs> have reached it. You just. I'm allowing yourself to believe that yet. It's interesting because I've got I've got hindsight now going back to when I'd only just started playing when I was 21, so right. four years younger than you are now. Mm-hmm. And so I've been playing all that time, so it's 30 years coming up. Yeah. And uh, I can see my progress. But now I'm starting to think much more philosophically about life in general. Mm-hmm about my sobriety and my spirituality and all that kind of stuff and about fearing less what other people think of me and when it comes to music that's a great thing it's a great place to be it's a very strong place to be (laughs) I had one of the gigs I did recently in fact my last one I think was the very day that I handed over the post office keys yeah and I was in a really strange place that day booking a gig that night was probably not my best idea (laughs) But I did it, yeah. and it's one of the best gigs I've had in a while. Because right. I was in such a strange headspace, I played with much less fear, you know. It's yeah. like, right, this is me now, this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm committed to this now, post office is going. So I started off by saying, how you doing everybody? I'm Cam's former postmaster. Yeah. Just quit my job today, so I hope you like what you're going to hear. <laughs> See, that's the thing, like... I, the reason I keep doing solo stuff is because I'm still scared of it. Right. So when I play in bands, it's like, I don't get anything from it. 
you know, I've just got up there playing guitar. It doesn't feel any different to playing in a room with them. Um, I've, I've never understood that one, but so I, I never, I don't get addicted to it. Like, I used to get addicted to it when I was younger. Um, so there's no buzz there, you mean? No, there's nothing from it. Um, but see, when I'm physically having to do the work to to sing and to play guitar and try and think about how to do everything, that I, because I struggle with it, it's like an addiction because I'm struggling. Like I want to be great at it. Well, that's, yeah. that's pushing yourself through challenges, which is great. Yeah. Um, but also, like, sometimes when I'm sat there, like, oh, I wish I wasn't here. But then if I was to leave, I'd just be like, no, I'll go back and do that again. That's really interesting to hear you say that. <laughs> I always drive to gigs saying to myself, why do I keep doing this? Yeah. And then when I finish the gig, I say, oh, yeah, that's why. Um, like, I'm dreading going and doing this afternoon show, but I'd, if I didn't do it, I'd still be booking myself to do it again. <laughs> and I definitely don't come over here for the money, I just do it just to keep pushing myself until I find what it is I want to do. Excellent. Because over here it's, it's neutral, so it doesn't matter if I go up and play something completely brand new. It's going to be received one way or another, and most of the time people are quite honest about it. Like, I asked you last night, what did you think of the songs? You went, they're listenable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'm just one guy, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but uh, that's the thing. Like, so, like next time I come back, I'm gonna end up doing something completely different again. Like after playing with all your pedals and stuff, and like I've got an idea of what I want to do now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, Inspired you a wee bit? Yeah. Um, so it's all, that's what I mean. It's like it's just a work in progress. I will do something eventually that hopefully successful but it needs to be honest first and that was the thing with the bands like as much as they were successful they're not they're not being honest in them it's not what I want to do yeah I get that um, and I could go away and be a full time musician if I wanted to and tour with bands but I'm not going to be happy doing it because it's it's not who I am I didn't want to be on the sideline of just being a guitarist for someone got you um, but you do you do session work don't you yeah yeah. How's that for you? Is that just a job or is it? It's just a job, but you get to meet lots of really cool people, really talented people, people better than me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm I've com- committed myself to work with um, another bunch of lads. Before we're about to see um, his name's Carl. Um, he done the sixty seconds of Glasgow or something like that, like an Instagram page, and he sings for sixty seconds. And honestly, this guy's voice is like. It's like Howlin' Wolf, like an old Howlin' Wolf record. Right. His voice is incredible, um, but he's he's I think he's either he's late twenties or he's early thirties, um, and he's battled, I don't know if it's been stage fright or what, but he's battled with performance stuff. Um, so we managed to stick a lot of guys together in a room, and he he really loves Bruce Springsteen and stuff like that. So we're sticking this kind of band together um, to do what the music we love to listen to. And that's all that's about. Right. Um, and I, th- I think it's definitely got a lot of potential. Um, he's just one of these guys that's hid himself away for a long time. He's got a cracking voice, a cracking set of songs that he's wrote. We just hid it away for so long. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the story of Chris Stapleton. Like Chris Stapleton didn't really get any success until he was later on in life. Like right. He was working in Papa John's or making pizzas whilst he was writing songs in Nashville. Uh-huh. You know, um, He's definitely one of those characters. Session works fine, it's always challenging. Do you read charts, like Nashville charts? It depends on the artist. So, some artists, like if they've got their song wrote, they've got a specific thing that they want. 
uh, some artists like they usually just want me to do my own touch on whatever it is. Just like if it's a guitar solo or if it's just adding a wee bit extra, it's just come in. Can you do something to make it seem a wee bit, a wee bit this way? Um, and that's the ones I like doing because I get to go in and do my own thing on it. Right. Uh, but yeah, you do get strict sessions where they know exactly what they want, and they've got charts, and you play off the charts. Yeah. Um, I worked for one guy, and I'd never done this, but this showed how lacking my music knowledge of theory was. It would two fingers to me like two fingers or four fingers for the chord number yeah and I didn't know any of this I was only 19 and I was like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> there was no charts or anything he just said the key of the song and then he would do his fingers for it right um, and that completely amazed me I'd never seen that before and I, yeah I was definitely out, out, my, out my depth <laughs> do you ever listen to Coulter Wall no that's two artists I've got to put <laughs> Nick Harper and Coulter Wall Coulter Wall's a, a gravelly-voiced country singer. Right. His lyrics are outstanding. He's very bluesy, acoustic style. It sounds kind of electric. It's all bendy licks. And, but he's, he's, he's young. Right. You look at him, you can't believe you're looking at the same guy whose voice you're listening to. Because <laughs> his voice sounds really old. Yeah. Uh, he's done some soundtrack work on some, some good films as well. I got to do that once as well. I got to do the. It was a documentary thing. It was getting made for the Panopticon in Glasgow. Oh, right. And then I got to the. Uh, one of my songs got used as uh, music for the background. Nice. Yeah. That's another area you could get into for making a bit of cash, just getting your, your songs out there into the, the agencies that supply. Yeah. I've always had that thing though, like I've recorded songs, I've put them online, I've put them up for five days, don't get too much success, I pull them back down again. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to that folks. As I said at the beginning, it was fantastic to have Rob come over and play, and a real treat to, to be able to watch his music. I first played with Rob, I think it would have been three years ago when he came over, played in the PHT. And I went in and supported him one night and I think we shared an open mic hosting slot together. Something like that anyway. And uh, on the Sunday afternoon I went into Crofters to, to join him for an hour and played along with him on his set as well. Check out Rob's music. You'll get him on Facebook. Just search for Rob Muir or perhaps Rob Wolf, which was his pseudonym when he came over the first time. So I hope you enjoyed that and I hope you will subscribe to my channel. I really would love you if you would come along and subscribe. I recently quit my job. I've been trying to sell my post office for seven years and I finally was able to do that just a few weeks ago. In fact, not even two weeks ago as the time of, of recording this. And I'm hoping now that I'm able to start to earn a living from creating content such as this. Most of what I have, in fact, exclusively everything I have on my hard drive is all video content. I've got interviews with Tom Sands and Daisy, Sa Daisy Tempest. I have interviews with a bunch of people that I met at the Halifax Acoustic Soundboard UK gathering. And also, where else did I go? Ullapool, of course. I went to the Ullapool Guitar Festival. And spoke to a whole bunch of different people there. So look out for that content. My plan is to publish 
Once a month, let's see, just so that I'm not giving myself too much work because I am at the moment working full time on social media consulting for Crofters Music Bar in Brodick. And I'm still trying to find my stride, my workflow, figure out all of that freelancing stuff. So I'm going to put it down to one a month at the moment. And I would like to increase that as as I continue to once a fortnight. So that's once every two weeks for those outside the UK who don't know what a fortnight is. So yeah, come and find me on AcousticGuitar.io and from there you'll get links to all my channels on various social media platforms. And I also have a Patreon page which would be fantastic if you would take a look at. It's one way that I can think of to try and get some income going which will allow me to continue travelling with my microphones and my cameras and bringing great content to you. So if you find this valuable in any way at all and you're able to support me with just as little as $1 a month, it really would make a world of difference. Even so, if you don't feel like chucking a dollar at me, you could just go into the iTunes store, search for the podcast there and give it a five-star rating. That kind of thing really does help. It helps the algorithms to push my content out to more people and will help me to grow. I thank you all for your attention and I'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye for now. (music) 